Good morning, folks. It is so good to see you today, and uh, we're excited about all the graduates and uh, their lives that are uh, going to about to take off and, you know, soar. I mean, that's what we're hoping for for them. So it is good to be here together today. And I hope that you have had a joyful week. Uh, we just ended a series called uh, The Generous Life. And I think when we're generous, that we experience joy. And uh, we've, got, we've had some folks that have been off in Rwanda, and uh, they have been giving of themselves, being generous. But I can guarantee you that they would tell you that they experienced joy as they poured themselves out for their friends. Am I right, bishops? Yes, I am right about that. So um, if you were to ask most people in the street, and I can ask uh, you this question this morning, what do you really want out of life? And, you know, graduates, what is it that you really want out of life? Uh, what do you think most people would respond? You know, that, that question has been asked and answered and the answer that was received was happiness. How many of you would agree that when you boil it all down, it comes to happiness? I think if you were to poll our graduates today, they would say the same thing. And it might come out like this. I, I want to go to the school of my choice. Or I want to get the job, my dream job. Or I want to make this much money. Or um, I want to find <clears throat> happiness with this person, get married one day, have a family, but it does all boil down to this one word, happiness, or we could say joy. And I can say <clears throat> most of us as parents feel the same way for our children. We want them to experience a life of joy. And what most people want, <clears throat> and sad to say, can be so hard to find and so hard to hold on to. And the reason is that there are things in life that steal our joy. Even uh, though our graduates are just now starting out in life, I guarantee you that this wouldn't surprise most of them because they've already experienced many of these joy stealers. Now what I'm talking about in joy stealers are things like circumstances. How many of you have figured out that you are not in control of all of life's circumstances? Raise your hand if you figured that out. If you didn't raise your hand, then that means you weren't listening or you were sleeping or you've been in a box somewhere and haven't experienced life. Uh, all you got to do to know this is to drive down Fire Tower Road around five o'clock in the afternoon. Am I right about this? Those of you that you know, have to drive that road. I mean, you cannot control the traffic. You can't control the crazy person weaving in and out <coughs> who's in a hurry. You can't control what other people are doing. You can't control how heavy it is or how light it is. So if you're in a hurry, if you pick the wrong time of day, yeah, you might as well just, and, and look, this even goes to going through the drive-thru in some of these restaurants. I sat in a drive-thru line 30 minutes one time. I thought that's what you would do when you went in the building, not when you're in the drive-thru. Um, 
I tried to be nice. Um, uh, you can't control the economy, can you? I mean, as, as much as we would love to see the economy better, though we are little peons. There's nothing we can do. We can't control the gas prices, which apparently have gone up again. Um, we can't control the prices of anything. Uh, we, we can't even control uh, the job market and those things like that. We can't control bad news. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, the circumstances of life, you can't always control whether she or he's going to break up with you. You can't control sometimes whether you're going to lose that job or keep that job. That depends a lot on the economy too, right? Uh, or even worse, another mass shooting, another global mess, another war. Another pandemic, another strain of COVID, weather events, we're just not in control. So if my happiness or my joy is dependent upon all of life's circumstances lining up perfectly the way I want them to, I'm going to find out life is going to be miserable because <coughs> it's just not going to happen. There's another joy stealer, and I hate to say this, but sometimes people can be joy stealers. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Maybe you work with somebody. Maybe, maybe you live with somebody. Maybe you are somebody. But have you noticed that some people just want to steal your joy? Every word out of their mouth is negative. We, we would say some people are joy thieves. <coughs> they can't be happy, and they want to pull everybody down into their tragedy. They will use you and abuse you and toss you aside when they're done with you. You can't make people feel or act in any way. And for you graduates, it's early to find this out, but maybe you already know. The only person you can control is who? You. So it's best to understand that truth now. But if my happiness is dependent upon all of life's relationships <coughs> lining up in the way I want them to line up just perfectly, I'm going to lose my joy because one thing we know, there is no one who is perfect. And so while I'm wanting all of these, <coughs> excuse me, you know, you can't control life circumstances when you got a tickle in your throat. <clears throat> Even though you want all these people to be perfect in your life, you know what? You can't even be perfect in their life. So if life depends on perfection with people, it isn't going to happen. Things can also be joy stealers. Have you noticed that the desire for things or even the acquisition of things do not ultimately bring joy? And yet so many people think 
that by accumulating things, by making more money, by having the bigger house and the newer vehicle and getting all of these things, I'm, they're going to make me happy. It's not true. You know, just, just find out how many millionaires are bitterly unhappy. How many people seemingly have everything, but there's no joy? Uh, I see people like the Amber Herds and the Johnny Depps of this world who have their sad lives displayed for all to see on social media and the news. And I wonder, how in the world did these people who seemingly have everything get there? Look, they, it, when you think of material possessions, my goodness, the guy owns an island, Right? But all of that stuff doesn't bring happiness. So my happiness is dependent upon accumulating things. I'm going to discover that things are not what really bring happiness. They may make some aspects of life better <coughs> or more comfortable, but they fail to bring lasting joy. One last, and maybe the worst of all, the joy stealers is worry. Now, if I was to ask everyone in here to be honest with me and to tell me, how many of you worry? Do you struggle with worry? Raise your hand. It, I, I'm not trying to condemn you. I, I, I have issues with worry. My sister is the only person I know that doesn't worry about things. You know, she's amazing. She's got faith beyond but we may convince ourselves that we have things to worry about. But the problem is that worry never solves anything. In fact, it makes things worse. It can cause us to focus on all the wrong stuff. It also doesn't necessarily deal in facts. It often focuses on things that are totally out of our control, if you hadn't figured that out yet. Uh, and also, I think surveys or studies have shown that 75% or more of the things we worry about never even happen. It usually goes to the worst case scenario, doesn't it? In our minds when we're worried. Worry is a joy stealer from hell, I'm telling you. And worry can add stress and depression and anxiety to our life. You know, as Jesus said, don't worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about that phone that's going off as you're trying to preach, or about what you will wear. Jesus' solution to worry was to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things that you want, all these things that you think will bring you happiness. He said, if you don't focus on that, but you're focusing on God, these things will come to you. They'll be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. These are words of wisdom. I bring this up because what most of us want is to find happiness and joy. And what all of us struggle with is having a deep sense of joy when life isn't going the way we had hoped. This is important because many people are struggling to find real and lasting joy. We live in a world where these joy stealers are constantly at work on our minds and our hearts. So how do we find our joy 
when we're surrounded by all these thieves. Paul's letter to the Philippians is a call to find lasting peace and joy. Even as we live in a world that wants to rob us of these blessings from God. And and I hope that you will decide that you're going to come back and that you're going to hear more as each week we open up this book of Philippians and we learn the secret to living a joyful life. Now today we begin the series of messages, again based on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I, I will put out this plug. Warren Wearsby wrote this book. It's a commentary on Philippians, but it's called Be Joyful. And some of the outline concepts for the series actually come from that commentary. But today we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And the big idea for our message today is this. One path to joy is to be thankful for the relationships with which God has blessed us. As we read Paul's words at the beginning of this letter, we discover that he was grateful for the relationships he had developed through his work in the church. And Paul described three thoughts indicating his appreciation for the relationships he had in the church there in Philippi. First of all, he had them in his thoughts. Paul would think about the people that he had developed these relationships with over time. So let's begin reading in verses 1 through 6. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul is addressing these Christians that live in the city of Philippi along with the elders and the deacons of the church Now we know when Paul wrote these words that he was actually in a type of prison himself, a bondage in Rome. He was awaiting trial and was under house arrest, but he was in chains. His circumstances, if you want to think about that, would have been joy stealers. He can't go out and see people like he would like to. But the thoughts of his brothers and sisters back in that town of Philippi that he had developed over the course of years actually helped him to find joy in the circumstances in which he found himself. He mentioned that he thanked God every time he thought about them. You know, that in itself, when you think about people, it can lift you up above those circumstances. He added that as he thought about them in his prayers, he experienced joy. Now the reason for his joy was the partnership he experienced with these brothers and sisters from the very beginning of his ministry. Most commentators will tell us 
that he is specifically talking about their financial and prayerful support of the mission work that he was doing. And he believed God would continue to do that good work through them until Jesus would come again. You know, our thoughts can either lead us down a dark hole of self-pity and pain, or they can lead us to praise God. We will either grovel in the thoughts of how harsh life is, or we will rejoice at the blessed relationships that we enjoy. And friends, I want to tell you this. It's what I used to tell my children, my girls, as they were growing up. Joy is a choice you make every day. It's your choice. You can decide that you're going to be miserable all day long. You can decide. Or you can decide, I'm choosing joy. Paul's choice was to focus on the thoughts of his loving friends and supporters rather than on the harsh circumstances that he found himself living in. Paul could have focused on the difficulties he experienced in Philippi. If you were to go back to Acts chapter 16 you would see what I'm talking about. Let, let's just think for a moment about all the bad things <laughs> that happened to Paul while he was in that city of Philippi. He was arrested unfairly and illegally. So if you want to talk about social justice, I mean, Paul wasn't experiencing any justice here. In fact, he was taken and beaten by the authorities for no good reason. He was just preaching about Jesus. He experienced injustice as he was placed in stocks. He was humiliated before the people with false charges. Who, and they, they were trying to make him out to be this criminal. So he could have looked at all that stuff. He could have thought about, man, that was a hard time in Philippi. How miserable it was. But instead of doing that, he focused on the good things that happened in Philippi. He could think back to that jailer that he saved, the jailer that was going to take his life, and yet Paul saved him, spared his life, and would bring that jailer and his entire family to a relationship with Christ. He, he met a prominent business lady there named Lydia. She and her entire family came to Jesus. And were, became followers of Christ. It was there that he cast out a demon from a poor slave girl. This is what got him into trouble because people started losing money, right? They were using this girl uh, to make money. And when he cast that demon out, uh, she lost the ability to tell people fortunes and things. But he gave that girl uh, the promise of a life free from the bondage to Satan. He thought of all those relationships formed in his time in Philippi with his brothers and sisters in Christ. He had real fellowship with them, meaning they shared a common bond with Christ. That spiritual family was uh, the only church to financially support his missionary work. And Paul found joy in that common ground. This is where he allowed his thoughts to take him. 
Now, I want to ask you a question today. Where do you allow your thoughts to take you? Are you focused on all the things that have gone wrong, or do you focus on the things that are right? Are you focused on all of the people that have let you down, that have hurt you, that have brought pain in your life? Or are you focused on those that have stood with you, those that support you, those that love you through thick and thin unconditionally? You see, the thoughts that you allow in your head will determine whether you will find joy or you will wallow in sorrow. We have all heard the saying, it's the thought that counts, right? We normally hear that when somebody's given us a gift. Maybe it's not even a great gift, right? But uh, it didn't cost a lot. There was actually a survey done by Quicken back in 1995. They said 64% of those who responded said that their best Christmas gift was not the most expensive one because it's the thought that counts. Are you thinking of me? Isn't that what we want to know? Isn't that what would bring us joy? The idea that someone else is thinking of me. That's the question. Just the notion that people are thinking of us makes us feel better. But the same is true vice versa. When, we, uh, when, when we're thinking of others and we let them know that we're thinking of them in positive ways, that can make them feel better as well. There is joy in the thinking. How many of you are grandparents in here? Raise your hand. I know it's hard to get the hand up, okay? But, uh, you know, uh, look, hey, I am with you. I am one of you now, right? Uh, You know, if, if you're having a bad day, Just think of those people in your life who bring you joy. Like, there's a picture right there. Look at that. Now, how can that not bring you joy, right? The thought of that person can lift you you out of that cloudy mindset into a joyful mindset. I tell you what, Christy, she can have the worst day at work. She thinks of that little one, McKenna. McKenna Jane. Middle names after our mama, right? McKenna Jane. Uh, Sometimes Chrissy, after work, she'll run down and get McKenna from the sitter, and she'll take her to them. And that's all she needs to get her mind off of all that mess and find joy again. Well, Paul not only allowed his thoughts to lead him to joy, but uh, these relationships were in his heart, too. Uh, And that's the second thing. He had them in his heart. Uh, Now, this is not the physical heart, but it is, as the Bible describes, that, that place in our mind where we feel, we have emotions, right? So in Philippians 1, 7 through 8, we read, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my what? Heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, I have you in my heart. 
And notice he referenced uh, or referred to his circumstances. He referred to the chains that he was in. He referred to his continuing work that even though he was in chains, he was still defending and confirming the gospel. You couldn't shut that guy up about Jesus, right? One word sums up his feelings for these brothers and sisters in Christ. That word translated affection could have been translated love. And Paul made it clear that the affection of Christ Jesus was what he felt towards them. Think about it. It wasn't his own feelings of love, even though that was there, but the love of Christ that he felt for these people. Warren Wiersbe, in this commentary, puts it this way. It was not Paul's love channeled through Christ. It was Christ's love channeled through Paul. And the evidence of the love the Philippians had for Paul was how they shared in God's grace with him. Paul was, again, specifically, according to most commentaries, referring to the support he received from them for his missionary work. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 we read, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love poured into our hearts and then channeled through us to our brothers and sisters. This love we have for them is not just a normal human love. It's an unconditional love prompted by the Holy Spirit. It is not dependent upon how they treat me. It is about how God feels towards them. It is the kind of love that forgives the worst in a person. It is the kind of love that sacrifices the most for a person. It is the kind of love that considers the needs of others before it considers the needs of oneself. It is the kind of love that keeps no record of wrongs. You, you may have heard that love described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, many of you may, when you got married, maybe this portion of Scripture was even read in your wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never what? Fails. <clears throat> now, y'all know this is a supernatural, <coughs> agape, God-given, Spirit-led love. One thing is certain, when you practice this kind of love for others, you will experience the joy of the Lord. There is such a deep and abiding joy 
that lasts for a lifetime when that's how you love people. Friends, if you're struggling to experience joy in your life, then turn your thoughts to those you love with the love of Christ. Several years ago, I started a Bible study with some guys, and, you know, at the time, we barely knew each other. We would meet each week, and we would open up about life and our struggles, and we talked about the past and our hopes for the future, and we would study through Scripture, and we, we grew in our relationship with each other and with the Lord, and uh, we were, in, uh, you know, with, uh, apart from, you know, wartime, we were a band of brothers, if you will. Life and circumstances have separated us from the ability to hang out like we used to. But even though we were separated, uh, I, I still feel like if I needed to talk to these guys about anything, they would certainly be there for me. Gil Johansson was one of those guys. Now, I know some of you don't know who Gil is. Uh, Gil and his wife Heather moved away to be closer to uh, their grandchildren, and Gil isn't here, you know, every Sunday. But this past week, Gil came to Greenville to see his doctor, and while he was in town, he dropped by the church. It was during our staff meeting, and um, I tell you what, every time I see that guy, my heart is filled with joy. Those of you that know Gil, He's got that Yankee accent, you know. Uh, I drove, drove my car to the bar, you know, that kind of stuff. But I love that guy. This is the joy that springs from the spiritual well of love that the Spirit gives us. And love will increase the joy we will experience in Christ. I hope you have people like that in your life. I hope you seek after relationships with that or like that. Uh, you have to be open to those relationships. You have to make yourself available for those relationships. You will even have to be vulnerable in finding those relationships. But once you find them, friends, they are more precious than gold. Amen? Paul kept those brothers and sisters in his thoughts and in his hearts, and it brought him joy. And finally, he had them in his prayers. Now, we read earlier in the first part that he had said, whenever I pray for you, it, it brings me joy. And he follows that up with an actual prayer that he prays for them. In verses 9 to 11, he writes, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, as we break down this prayer Paul prayed, you see the joy he felt as he lifted up his brothers and sisters in Christ. What did he pray specifically? Well, most commentators say that they uh, suggest that part of what Paul is doing is praying ab about the financial commitment they've made to the kingdom of God, but it goes even deeper than that. Um, first of all, that their love would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Again, some commentators think this 
This love is referring back to the offerings that they had sent to him. But he isn't asking for more money. That, that's not what Paul is doing. He is asking that God would increase their love for the work of the kingdom of God. The idea of knowledge and discernment means that in our expressions of love, we need to be wise and discerning. We need to understand what is the best way to use our resources of time and uh, finances and uh, our abilities. He explained in the following verse, so that they would discern what is best. Now, the Greek word translated discern could also be translated approve. It is a word used for testing metals or coins or genuineness. It is the idea that Paul was praying that these people would understand what is vital or important in the kingdom of God. When supporting the work in the kingdom of God, Christians need to be able to discern what work they need to support. It's one thing to love everyone and want to help everyone, but, you know, there is nobody that can do that. We, we don't have unlimited resources. So as Christians, we need to gain wisdom and knowledge in choosing who we're going to support financially and prayerfully, choosing those efforts that are both honorable and well-meaning but also theologically and doctrinally accurate. All of this is important. Paul wanted his brothers and sisters to be good stewards and wise in the way they used the resources God gave them so that they would be pure and blameless. Uh, so this abounding love, regulated by knowledge and discernment, would resort, result in their support of vital kingdom work. But it would also mean that they would have the approval of Christ on the day of judgment. In other words, Jesus would recognize their efforts to support the kingdom. When Jesus comes again, not only will our actions be judged, but how we use the resources God has given us will be judged. Did we use those resources to support the work of God's kingdom? And then Paul wrote, so that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. As the Philippians supported the work of Paul, they were allowing their resources to be the most fruitful for the kingdom of God. As we use our resources, are we using them to be fruitful for the kingdom of God? Not just for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God. This was Paul's prayer for those he loved. He wanted them to be fruitful in their efforts to do good in the world so that God would receive glory and praise. The end result, if the church in Philippi fulfilled Paul's prayer for them, would be that God would be glorified. It wasn't for Paul's glory. It wasn't for the church's glory. It, for, it was for God's glory. And the truth is that ultimately... Joy comes when we bring glory to God. We don't give or support things so that we can get the pat on the back. Yes, we may give or support efforts to help people we love. Absolutely. 
But even deeper than that is that we love God and we want to see his kingdom blessed by our efforts. Now that is an interesting prayer to me because nowhere in there did Paul pray, Lord, don't let anything bad happen to them. He didn't, he didn't pray that they would, you know, have, you know, wealth beyond measure. <laughs> He's praying that these people who bring him joy when he thinks about them, these people who are in his heart will give him joy by giving to the kingdom of God. He isn't even saying, give to me. He's saying, be wise and discerning about how, give, how you give, but give to make a difference in God's kingdom. When was the last time you prayed for somebody like that? That you didn't pray selfishly about them. You prayed that God would use them in a powerful way in his kingdom. When is uh, the last time that you thought about someone in those terms? I think when we pray for someone like that, we're really revealing a deeper love for that person. It's not just a superficial thing. Lord, help them get over the sickness. Well, look, that's an important prayer. I'm not trying to belittle that prayer. But sometimes that's the only thing we pray for people. Lord, don't let any harm come to them. Well, I, I'm not saying we should want harm to come to people. But I think there is a deeper prayer that we can pray. We are wanting them to get deeper with God. Jesus tells us, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you want to experience pure joy, the joy of the Lord, then start praying for people. Go beyond praying for a person's physical health. Pray for their spiritual health. Pray that they would live a life that would bring honor and glory to the God of heaven. Don't just pray for people when things are bad or when they're struggling. Yes, pray for them at those times, but also pray for people to have that lasting joy that comes from knowing Christ. And as you pray for them, you too will experience the joy of the Lord. In his book, Hope is Contagious, Ken Hutcherson shares a moment from his own personal life that illustrates the ability to foster joy in the midst of some very trying and difficult circumstances. Uh, for him, he was battling cancer. And this is what he wrote. He said, you can face anything in life, anything, and have that same inner peace and joy. And when you do, it's contagious. It lifts up everyone else around you. Isn't that the type of person you want to be? Instead of joining over and over again and the whining about how bad things are, just your presence shows others that, hey, life is still a wonderful gift that we should all be enjoying. He continued, one day I was relaxing in my recliner after having spent five hours in the emergency room the night before. I'll admit I was exhausted and the pain medication wasn't working as well as I would have liked. Uh, I looked around and saw my family going about their lives as usual. Video games, chores, music, laughter. My wife Pat was 
fixing breakfast. Even our little puppy was settling into a comfortable routine and enjoying everyone's efforts to spoil him. A visitor stopped by to chat. Some friends from church surprised me with a birthday cake. I'd almost forgotten it was my birthday. So there I sat, surrounded by so much goodness, even as I'm feeling lousy. My favorite cake is staring at me, but I have no appetite. My 11-year-old runs past me, and I don't even have the energy to grab him and wrestle him to the ground like I used to. I'm trying to have a conversation with my guest, but between the short night and the powerful pain pills, I can barely stay alert. And you know what I'm thinking? Can you imagine how close I am to being overwhelmed with what is happening to me? The words practically shouted from inside of me, isn't God great? What a privilege to be his child. Father, I thank you for the promise that we can experience joy even when circumstances would try to steal that joy. Thank you that even when people come against us and would steal our joy, that your Spirit pours joy into our hearts. Father, we know that things don't bring joy, but relationships do. Thank you for those relationships we have with our physical families, but also our spiritual families. And so, Father, help us to let go of that worry and turn that over to you and seek the joy that comes from you. Help us to appreciate those relationships in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our prayers. And as your word tells us, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Help us to experience that joy today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.